today on Ag News Daily. You know, that's definitely the unique part of our story of, of being able to tell, I guess you could say, is that we are the end user at the end of the day. So when something doesn't work, it's obviously going to be our first knowledge that, hey, we got to fix this and we got to fix it now because it's not working. Good afternoon and happy Tech Tuesday from the Ag News Daily Podcast. This Tech Tuesday episode is brought to you by Douglas Plant Health. To unharness your soil's fertility and maximize yield, consider Douglas Plant Health. Well, Delaney, I'm glad to be back on the podcast today. I feel like I haven't talked to you in like forever. It does feel that way, Ashton, but you got to tell us the big news. How did your uh, thesis thingy go? It went really well. I was pleasantly surprised just because, you know, I'm getting my Master of Agribusiness degree. And so a lot of these people are very economical, really good with numbers. And I am more of a creative type person. So my project was doing a analysis, basically, of Global Ag Network and how we can improve and things like that. And so it was a little bit more creative talking about marketing and communications, but also how to improve our bottom line. So they were highly interested in it just because they don't get to see a whole lot of creativity and things like that. So it was it was really good. I am very happy to be done, though. Yes, I bet you are. It's got to be a good feeling. Oh, it, it certainly is. And I... It, it went a lot better than I thought it would. You know, I was so nervous that I had made myself little note cards so I wouldn't forget everything and I didn't even use them. So that was, you know, a good experience. So I'm, I'm very happy. <laughs> I bet you did a fantastic job and you sent me your paper. So I can't wait, wait to dig into that. But Ashton, I suppose we also better dig into some news for today. I'm going to kick things off here at the top of the podcast with a quick update about yesterday's announcement or yesterday's news that I shared about the Canadian Pacific Railway strike. That has already reached an agreement. That happened very quickly. And as of today, the railroad is resuming normal operations at about 12 p.m. local time, ending the two-day shutdown. I'm wondering, Ashton, if they took a play out of John Deere and some of the, you know, Kellogg's, et cetera, some of their playbooks and seeing that workers have been willing to strike for very long periods of time. So certainly good news that they got things resolved very quickly. Um, and as far as the resolution itself goes... I don't have a ton of details yet as to what was agreed upon, but it does sound like both sides were happy, including the workers. So it's been really resolved fairly quickly compared to what it could have been. I know I was anxious to talk about this with you today. And then I saw this headline come across that they had already reached an agreement. So I was like, well, I guess there goes my idea. There goes my plan. We're not going to talk a whole lot about it because things have already been solved. And I mean, a two day strike, that's nothing compared to what we've been talking about here in the past couple months. Yeah, certainly, certainly isn't, but definitely some good, good news there, because as you again, look at kind of the impacts that could have had a lot of grains, a lot of fertilizer, potash products, et cetera, could have been majorly held up if that did not get resolved quickly. Maybe they recognize that too and just said, okay, we're going to concede. So whatever the story may be, hopefully we'll have a little bit more of an update on that here within the next couple of days. Well, Delaney, I have two pieces of weather-related news here at the beginning. Um, it's kind of devastating here in Texas right now because we have had 
um, over a hundred fires, 178 to be exact, 178 Texas fires um, within the past week or so. But one of the major ones that I wanted to talk about today was in the city of Lipan, which is um, about 50 or so miles from Fort Worth. Um, so kind of around my stomping grounds and uh, the fire that's been going on down there has now burnt more than 11,000 acres of land. There's been an evacuation order for live hand and people are evacuating and um, doing their best to get this wildfire under control, but it's now named the big L fire. And I think it's going to go down in history really as one of the worst Texas fires that we've ever seen. I want to say that this is the worst that we've ever seen, but you know, I mentioned that there's been 178 wildfires and those have all burned a total of 108,000 acres across the state. And that's just been here in the last week. So pretty devastating. Um, I've been seeing a couple of people talking about, um, rehoming livestock and things like that. And of course, that part of Texas has been um, planting a little bit here. You know, we talked to a farmer not too long ago um, who's not too far from Lipan and he had just completed planting. So um, hopefully we can get some more information about that fire and maybe some more details about how this is going to impact agriculture here. But just wanted to bring that to your attention because of course, this hot, dry, windy weather is the reason for all these fires. But another thing that I also wanted to talk about concerning Texas weather is there was a pretty big tornado that touched down in Round Rock, which is near Austin yesterday. And a lot of counties here in Texas, not even just in the Austin area, you know, up in Dallas as well, had been under a tornado warning. Um, so we're not getting some great spring weather just yet. Really has been um, some devastating spring weather. So uh, my heart goes out to those communities and just wanted to bring that to your attention, Delaney. Well, I'm glad that you did, Ashton, because I hadn't realized that this major event, weather event, was going on down there in your neck of the woods. And certainly glad you brought that to our attention. But I think, it, again, you know, it just paints this picture of continued hot and dry that we're seeing within a big portion of the United States. Because as you know, we're continuing to see severe drought grip a large portion of the Western United States. And that is likely to persist or worsen this spring due to expected above normal temperatures, according to the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration's latest report as of Thursday. They said dry conditions will enhance the risk of wildfires across the southwest and southern U.S. plains, all the way down there into your neck of the woods, Ashton. And this is the big number right here. More than 60% of the continental U.S. is already classified as being under minor drought or worse. And this is the broadest area since 2013. So if you think about commodity prices, you know, this is a conversation that we had a little bit yesterday on the podcast with Jeff Fossey, and I know you missed that, Ashton, but that's really the big driver that we could continue to see here from a commodity market standpoint is we're already fairly dry and that's without the growing season even have started yet. So you consider what's going on with Russia, Ukraine, you look at the hot and dry weather we're seeing down in South America, the U S might be the final cherry on top, which really blows this blows the lid off this market, which don't get, you know, I'm not, I'm not advising farmers to wait by any means to sell, but it's just certainly interesting to see how bad things really could get. 
You know, Delaney, you mentioned Russia, Ukraine there, and I read a headline today saying that a third of fields that are occupied in areas and hostile zones aren't going to be planted this year. And then it kind of raises the question of, oh, can U.S. Um, feel, fill that demand? But then when you're thinking about what we're dealing with here on American soil, I don't know if we'll be even if we're even going to be able to fill that demand. And so that's just kind of what I've been trying to process here. Absolutely. And that's a thing that a lot of people are still trying to process. So yeah, there there is a lot to process right now, Ashton, that's for sure. And it's definitely something that we're going to continue to keep our eyes out on and, and bring important conversations as those are coming to light. But Ashton, before I get to my next piece of news for today, I want to remind folks that we are sponsored by Douglas Plant Health today. And for many years, U.S. farmers in select markets have trusted SP1 as an integral part of their crops fertility program. Today, as fertilizer prices soar and supply chain challenges loom, DPH Biologicals is expanding access to this trusted biofertilizer. We talked about it at Commodity Classic, folks. It's a great product with Teratrove SP1 Classic, the complete biofertilizer. You can replace up to 50% of your starter fertilizer. Visit dphbio.com. And Ashton, I wanted to take us to a little bit more lighthearted news today. And that is, today is National Ag Day, folks. All around the nation are celebrating, and I did not realize this big of an event was going on, but they're also celebrating on the Capitol Hill today, as a lot of ag reporters and ag groups are celebrating agriculture's important role in feeding the world. And so happy National Ag Day to all of our listeners who are obviously very integral in continuing to feed the world. Delaney, one of my good friends actually lives in D.C. now, and he posted on his story, I guess he was walking through, I think it's called the National Mall. Yes. Um, And he was walking through there, and I guess they had a tractor set up last weekend or something in preparation for National Ag Week this week. And he was just kind of poking fun at it and saying, every farm kid, D.C. transplants dream of seeing like this tractor in the National Mall. It was just really funny to me. So I'm glad that they're celebrating up there in our nation's capital. And we should be celebrating, too, down here in uh, the nation's heartland. (laughs) Well, Delaney, speaking of the nation's heartland, I do have a story talking a little bit more about bird flu. Not to bring us down after that announcement, but Nebraska reported a case in a Broiler flock of 570,000 chickens. So not good news there. And, you know, I wanted to point out that in Iowa, um, one in eight birds have died now from this strain of bird flu. And that's about 13% of the Iowan flock. And Iowa is the number one egg producing state. So it's a little concerning as we kind of, you know, feel out how this is being spread across the U.S. But just a quick update there. And with that, I'm all out of news. Ashton, I wanted to ask one quick question. Is it one in eight birds or one in eight chickens specifically in Iowa? One in eight laying hens. I should have been more okay. specific. Okay, so we are talking specifically chickens. Yes. Well, I did a quick Google search while you were sharing that story because I also was curious how that ranked. And you said Iowa there ranked, uh, was it 13th as far as egg production in the U.S.? Number one, egg producing. Oh, number one. It's been 13% of their flock that has gone down. 
Thank you. Okay. Well, I know we didn't really specifically talk turkeys there, but Iowa also ranks seventh in U.S. turkey production. And as you mentioned, there is a big, big driver of the egg industry and definitely supports a lot of different Iowa jobs and other industries. So we certainly don't hope this thing continues to escalate, but yet is becoming increasingly concerning as we do see more and more news coming out uh, pretty much daily about avian influenza. Absolutely, Delaney. Um, But I don't have anything else to talk about today other than the market. So what do you say we hop in? Let's do that here after just one more final story I had to mention, and it's a short one, but Brazil's JBS earnings showed a $1.31 billion in total in quarter four, which was well above analysts' expectations. They were largely on the back of sales to China was partially why JBS notes that they had such such success in quarter four, but JBS recorded consolidated net revenue of 97.2 billion reals, which is about 19.7 billion US dollars, which is a 27.8% rise compared to quarter four of 2020. So certainly saw huge growth there year over year. And again, a large component of that that they're saying was now we're getting through supply chain issues due to COVID. In 2020, they were still largely dealing with that. And they also have said that the Asian market really has stepped in largely and continued to increase exported volume for them. So those are kind of the two factors that they are attributing that profit to. But speaking of profit, Ashton, taking a look at today's markets was certainly an opportunity for the grains to continue trading higher. Maycorn today lost three and a quarter cent to close at 7.53. Dece new crop corn added six cents to close at 6.70 even. In the soybean pits, the May contract up five and a half cents today to close at 16.96 and three quarters. Nov new crop beans up eight cents to close at 14.98. In the wheat pits, the May Chicago contract lost a penny today to close at 11.18 and a quarter. July up eight cents to close at 11.01. As we hop over into the livestock markets today, we saw mostly weakness in the cattle complex as the April live cattle contract shed 62.5 cents to close at 139.42. The June down 65 cents to close at a buck 35.70. April feeder cattle today shed 62.5 cents to close at 160.57. The May down 32.5 cents to close at 165.42. Lean hogs saw a little bit of mixed trade today as the April contract finished 37.5 cents lower, settling at 125. The May added 15 pennies to close at a buck 11.22. And lastly, wrapping things up here with the class three dairy milk futures. April today added 60 cents to close at 24.34. The May settled the day 25.09, up 55 cents on the day. Ashton. Without further ado, let's kick it over to today's hashtag Tech Tuesday interview. Today, we're talking to the brains behind the AgriDealer platform, Sean Sullivan, for Tech Tuesday this week. So, Sean, first things first, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate you guys asking me. 
So before we get started talking about the technology, I want to know a little bit more about you because you're from Nebraska, you're a fifth gen farmer, and I don't want to give too many details away. So why don't you go ahead and take things away and tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, like you said, uh, Southwest Nebraska is where I was born and raised, fifth generation farm. Our farm place was homesteaded clear back when uh, state of Nebraska, I guess you could say, became a state and they handed out their first ground to convince people to move out west. So uh, great, great grandparents came here and settled down, decided, uh, I guess, to bless us with the good drought part of the state, I guess you could say, but currently farm with my dad and brother, and we're making the best of the situation out here in Southwest Nebraska, and we do it because we love it for sure. Yeah, in your portion of Southwest Nebraska, are you guys still pretty dry this year, or what, what, are, you, what are you looking like heading into planting season? It's looking about as dark and gloom as it possibly could. Uh, <laughs> definitely dry. Um, we were in a real dry situation last year and carried on um, with all that lack of moisture all winter long and setting up just as dry as could be right now. Uh, serve on the fire department here locally, and we've already been out on numerous fires. It's a lot of people say is shaping up to be even worse than 2012 if everybody can remember those drought conditions, and that was really dry. I think that's really the story that a lot of folks are seeing. You know, Sean, I'm down here in Texas, and we had uh, a pretty large 11,000 acre burning fire um, in Central Texas, and so I think that we're going to see a lot more of those, or at least some people down here are predicting that as well. So I think that's a story that we're going to be seeing across the board here as we go into planting season. But as we're talking about planting season and getting a little bit more into the crop side of things, I want to talk a little bit more about AgriDealer because it's something that's helping some seed dealers. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about the software and really the idea on how this came to be? Yeah, it was definitely a, an interesting way it all came about. I currently sell uh, seed for Asgro and Decalb. They had a good product out there that they were allowing us as dealers to use. But most independent dealers out here nowadays are always venturing off and trying to do a little something else to add to their seed operation, you know, whether it's selling some precision equipment or just other equipment on the side offering some scouting services. And so everybody was always needing one more spreadsheet type thing to make all their invoices on or keep track of all their sales. And their current software that they were allowing us as dealers to use just was basically only meant for seed, for their specific seed. So as each person was venturing out, trying to add their own little twist to things or looking to add additional seed sales of another company, that meant they needed to learn one more software and one more bookkeeping process. And so basically when it was all said and done, I was always sitting there looking at five or six different spreadsheets, trying to put all that together for each of my customers. And I said, there's got to be a better way. Well, I couldn't really find a better way. So we created a better way by uh, creating AgriDealer. So now with AgriDealer, we can put as many seed companies products in there and manage each one of them independently and then we can also have any other business that we want, whether it's a scouting service or fertilizer parts, other equipment that we want to sell, just anything like that. And it's all one place to go and manage all the inventories and invoice it out all in one. 
Well, Sean, before we get to our next question, I want to take a quick pause so we can hear more from today's sponsor. For many years, U.S. farmers in select markets have trusted SB1 as an integral part of their crops fertility program. Today, as fertilizer prices soar and supply chain changes loom, DPH Biologicals is expanding access to this trusted biofertilizer, helping growers circumvent supply challenges while improving crop yield and profitability. With TerraTrobe SP1 Classic, the complete biofertilizer, you can replace up to 50% of your starter fertilizer. Visit dphbio.com. And Sean, I'm curious, when you look at, take a step back and look at AgriDealer, how did the idea even come to fruition originally? Do you remember the that story? It came out of frustration. <laughs> <laughs> we were, like I said, we were sitting there and, and their software was working good. And it, it kind of spurred off of wanting to add seed treatments because a lot of soybeans, you know, they come from these plants untreated. And everybody was getting in the equipment to treat their own soybeans. And it's like, all right, I need to charge, obviously, for that seed treatment uh, service that I'm providing to those customers. And, well, we don't really have a way for you to put that. So you're going to have to do that on your own on a side invoice. It's like, well, I don't have anything to do that. So, well, all right, I'll figure something out. And then, well, my specific area gives extra discounts on this or I need to do something different with a, a rebate program over here for this one grower or this set of growers that's a new grower. And so each region within the seed company has their own way of using dollars to promote their product. And there was no one shoe fits all to create all those discounts. So I said, all right, now I'm having to make totally new fake invoices just to account for all these but yet i got to use this one software over here to build that out and to order my seed so i said why can't i put all of my frustrations and problems together so that's when i got together with a new upcoming software writer that had just graduated from college and said hey is there a way i can we can create a software that does all this and he goes oh yeah that's no problem Little did he know all that was entailed to make all this work and, and be able to talk to the big corporate worlds to their software systems. But we've gotten it done and we're excited where we're at and excited to see where we can go in the future with it for sure. So, Sean, where exactly are you guys at in the process? Do you have um, a good amount of clientele that you're getting some feedback from? Or are you just kind of launching? Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so we basically had a soft launch this year. We have about 15 uh, customers that are seed dealers on on board with us right now. It was one of those deals that we didn't want to bring on too many, but they were all willing to help us test this in a live environment. Um, this year, we have connectivity talking to Bayer on the Asgro and Decal side of, of seed, but we have a couple other seed dealers out there that are selling for other seed companies as well and using it to help manage their inventory and customers. But our, our initial tackle was working um, with Baylor, Bayer, which was really great to work with them. They've been really accommodating and patient and helping us. Of course, you got to test every little piece of it to make sure that, that we're able to talk and communicate our software to theirs. So there's a lot of tests you got to go through for each interaction that you need to do, but we've gotten all that passed. So we have full connectivity with their API. 
And we're excited to, to continue growing that, and getting the word out now to these customers or seed dealers that, hey, there is a new, new product out on the market that uh, hopefully can be some great benefit to them moving forward. And I think the reason why I feel like listening to your story, the reason why this seems like you guys are set up on the right path is because you had a very probably common frustration that a lot of seed dealers feel. You've been experiencing it yourself and you said, okay, I'm going to create a solution for that. And I think that's definitely unique sometimes than some of the other ag tech solutions that get thrown out there is it's maybe investment companies or Silicon Valley companies that identify a, a, a problem and maybe a potential solution, but they're not necessarily the ones that are going to use that potential solution. And you are, it sounds like. Yeah, you know, that's definitely the unique part of our story of, of being able to tell, I guess you could say, is that we are the end user at the end of the day. So when something doesn't work, it's obviously going to be our first knowledge that, hey, we got to fix this and we got to fix it now because it's not working. Um, so that's definitely a unique story. You, you always see exactly that. You know, everybody has that great idea. And, well, yeah, this is the way it should work. Well, that's the way it works on paper, but it's not always practicality. So we're definitely trying to use our practicality purposes and of using our infield studies, so to say, to, to steer our ship as we move forward. And Sean, you mentioned some of those components that the platform can do when a user logs in and creates an account. But tell us a little bit more about the nitty gritty. When I Is it an app and a web-based platform? When I log in, what can I expect? So that was the first thing we looked at is we didn't want to have to have a download app that people could access only from certain things. So we are strictly web-based. That's allowing us to be able to log in at any point in time. Everybody's always on the go. They're traveling, whether it's at a hotel, you know, for some other meetings. And you just never know when that call is going to come in from a customer saying, hey, do you have this or can I get this ordered? So we wanted it to be accessible across the world at any given time for anyone. Along with having multiple users, it seems like more and more people are, are going out and employing salesmen for them to help promote their products. So we wanted some accessibility for multiple people to be able to get there. But obviously, you know, we need some admin authorization and, and things like that. So we can set up different parameters based on who's going to be using the software within the company. Um, obviously, then the next step is, is, yeah, we can create any customers and you can keep any notes that you need. I mean, everybody does things their own unique way. So there, you might be talking with one farmer that, you know, they have specific needs. So you, we have a place in there on their customer profile of keeping any notes on when they like to be contacted. So that way, you know, when to call on them and you're not being an inconvenience to them, if, if you know that they aren't going to want to talk to you till January after the first of the year, you can make that type of a note. So then we go into our seed, seed sales or the inventory side of whatever the company is. You can track that company, each of the products, lot numbers or serial numbers, just depending on what fits your situation. We got customers of ours that are using it for fertilizer and chemicals for parts, for seeds. So we definitely have a wide range of opportunities for people to use us. And then, of course, once you get all that done, you can create those invoices. We've created, and that's what we really think is unique about our software compared to most, is you can go down two avenues with creating an invoice. 
Uh, we have our simple invoice, which you just set down and you plug in exactly what you need for that customer. Very rarely in the seed industry have I found that you can sit down with the farmer and he says, I need X amount of units of each of these products. It's always, well, let's sit down and go field by field. And this is how many units I would need on that field. And so, well, on my scratch paper, that shows me I need 500 units of this. So we created our advanced feature that we can literally label each of those fields on there, plug in how many units of whatever the product is. And then at the very end of that, it says, okay, you have a total of each of these units. How do you want to package it? So we've taken all that scratch paper and we incorporated that into our software and let it do all the math for us. So we really like that feature of it. And then of course, after you get all that done, you start dealing with discounts from early pays to volumes to flat rate discounts. So you can literally create whatever type of a discount and have it triggered by dates, by volumes, by dollar values, or just X dollars, whatever comes off there. So you can create any parameters and you can tie it specifically to one single product, to one company's product, or to any invoice you want. So that's the other unique thing is with that is that discounts are, are, are endless. And then the final piece is, of course, is being able to track those payments and or attach any service fees or late fees, you know, if, if people finance charges, if people aren't uh, getting their bill paid in a timely fashion, if you choose to. Well, if any of our listeners are interested in contacting you, learning a little bit more about AgriDealer, where can they find you guys at online? Yeah, so we have a website called agridealer.co. That is not .com, but .co. And my cell phone number, I'm always available as well. That's 308-530-8828. And I'll gladly answer and visit about it anytime. Awesome. Well, Sean, thank you once more for coming on for Tech Tuesday. We certainly appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me and giving us the opportunity to tell our story. Thanks again there to Sean for coming on and chatting with us for Tech Tuesday. We have a lot of good things lined up for Tech Tuesday and as well as some of our just regular interviews. So you can always tune in at agnewsdaily.com to find those conversations. We're also having some conversations online as well on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Ag News Daily. With that, Delaney, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.